Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. And here we go, here we go! Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50-plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go. Let's go. Go. Music is just worth it, just enough to sit in here for the great Jody McDonald. That's John McMullen. Uh, as Jody likes to say, John, when I fill in, when I pinch hit, when you ever, whenever you have training camp responsibilities, which you do later today, it's uh, not Mac and Mac, but Mac and Mark, which I yeah, appreciate. How you doing, John? I'm doing well. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why Jody's the pro, right? I can't <laughs> yeah. figure that out, Mac and Mark. That's good, though. I'm going to go Mike and Mac. How's that? Mark. There you go. What am Easy. I doing? Mike. Mark, you know Mike what? Gil, I was I had Mike Gill on my mind. Oh. Mark and Mac, Mark and Mac. There nice to see you, John. How's that? You know, so training camp, obviously, you had the uh, open practice. Uh, all the fans came down, fifty thousand plus. Have you come down from that high? Is that exciting for you too to know that that many people are watching what you're watching, breaking down what you're breaking down? I was surprised how many people were there. To be honest, uh, you know, partially. First of all, I was angry because the Phillies were playing earlier, so the traffic was awful. So that's my <laughs> only concern. But um, I was surprised because, you know, they've been doing these things since 2013, um, and they used to have two, and then they cut it back to one. But, you know, the first one with Chip Kelly was the highest attended one um, because I think, you know, people didn't realize, oh, this is practice. It's not that exciting, but you know, in ensuing years, it would go that about forty five thousand, if I remember, somewhere in that range for Chip Kelly's first, um, and then it would go into the thirties. Was it was still always impressive. Sometimes they'd reach forty, maybe close to it. it it's impressive for a practice, but it, you know, I think people realized eh, it's not that big of a deal. Um, 
you know, if we're down there, we'll do it, whatever. But yeah, I mean, boy, they're hyped up this year. Uh, and rightfully so, of course, coming off the Super Bowl, Jalen Hurts, runner up to the MVP, the third best player in the NFL, according to the NFL Top 100. So there's a lot going on, obviously, right now surrounding the Eagles, a lot of reasons to be excited. Uh, but I want to I want to break something down with you here right out of the gate here. And that has to do with Brian Johnson, the Eagles new offense coordinator and new play caller, which is, I think, the, the bigger story there. New play caller taking over for Shane Steichen. One of the things that he'll get asked about a lot, him and Jalen Hurts, is how how they keep Jalen Hurts healthy throughout the entire season. And one of the things they got into yesterday was allowing Jalen Hurts to actually go out there and be Jalen Hurts, or as Jalen put it, embrace the, quote, uniqueness of his game. But how do you do it as an offensive coordinator? How do you do it as a play caller where you try to limit the amount, excuse me, the amount of times that he might be out there running with the football? How do you eliminate? the amount of times that he could be out there. How do you better protect a guy like Jalen Hurts if you're Brian Johnson? Well, I think, first of all, I'm, I'm shocked how many people want to uh, take away the uniqueness of Jalen Hurts' game, number one. And I, I, by the way, I do not believe the Eagles are in that category or will do that. Um, if somebody could kind of point to me somebody else who has figured out how to stop injuries, I might <laughs> – Re, I, I might revisit my position. It's not possible, Mark. I mean, they're going to practice at the link today. It's not open, so please don't go down there. The Eagles made it very clear that, you know, don't tell the fans that they can come down to watch practice. But they're oh, they'll still tailgate. They'll still tailgate. Yeah, they're practicing inside Lincoln Financial Field today. You know, somebody might get hurt. I, I mean, you hope not. You always hope not. You see the card come out uh, for Patrick Johnson last week. Luckily, um, not a serious injury, but, you know, you see it all over the league. Joe Burrow with his cap injury right away. Um, and, and and you hope for every NFL team, you never want somebody to be injured. But I don't know how you legislate against that. As much as people try, and I think the Eagles do a good job when it comes to soft tissue injuries with all the walkthroughs and the days off and things like that, letting guys recover um, that's one of the things about Burrow. He practiced one day, was sore. He put on the sleeve, and the next day, bang, he strains his calf. You know, maybe they learn from that. Um, but when it's an ACL and Achilles, I mean, come on. I, how do you legislate that? So Jalen's on board, embracing the uniqueness, as you said, Mark. Um, the Eagles are on board. He's one of the best players in football. I'm not trying to limit him. I'm trying to, I don't know what the shelf life is, but I'm going to milk everything out of what the shelf life is. I'm not going to try to extend it because that's not possible. I'm going to try to take advantage of the height of his skills while I can. And I think the Eagles understand that. Now I talked to Shane Steichen a lot about this, you know, there's not a lot of called running plays, and that's how the Eagles protect Jalen Hurts. Now, RPO, that's up to what he reads. You know, that's up, and essentially it's not even up to Jalen Hurts if he does his job correctly. It's up to that edge rusher. You're going to read him. What's he doing? If, you know, that defines whether you're going to throw the football, whether you're going to run it. And if Jalen does it correctly, that's sort of, 
out of his hands. He reads what that particular one unblocked player is doing, and that uh, informs your decision. So Shane would always, you know, buckle up on those games where Jalen ran it 17 times. It might be five RPOs. It might be four quarterback sneaks. You know, the context is important. You know, how many called running plays is it? It's not 17 called running plays. Um, it's just how the game sort of unfolds. So, um, but I will say this, the Eagles have been dominant in practice with the quarterback runs. Dominant. I mean, the defense doesn't know what to do to the point where you're glad they're, they're starting the season against Mac Jones and Kirk Cousins because they're not going to run the ball. I mean, they're lucky they don't have to face Jalen Hurts because they don't know what to do when he takes the football down and runs it. And Marcus Mariota, same thing. They've run this quarterback draw inside the red zone four or five times. It's always the Red Sea parting. He walks in. Um, I'm not taking that away from this offense. And I think anybody wants to take that away from this offense is, you know, loopy, to be kind. I think one of the things you said, I think it hit the nail right on the head. And I remember Nick Sirianni even talking about this last year, where maybe they have to take away the option part of the RPO and they just, I don't know, call a run play, either that's lining up under center, whatever it might be, just some sort of handoff that takes away that part of the option uh, for Nick. Because I'm not looking for Jalen Hurts to you know be uh, limited or or uh, take away that part of his game. I, I love that part about his game. I think that's what makes him – as good as he is, and I think that really also helps up a lot of things for the run game. It also helps the pass game when Jalen Hurst has that ability to take off. But do you think there'll be more opportunities or at least more chances this year for Brian Johnson to just straight-up call run plays if he feels like that mm. that attempt number is getting high for Jalen Hurts? Well, I know on paper, I mean, I know Peter King was at camp last week, and he said how he's constructed the deepest team in football. Um, before earlier in the offseason, he said, I don't see a weakness. So Peter's obviously not looking at the linebackers, but I digress. Um, it's, it's a very good team, but running backs, another position for whatever reason, you know, Eagles fans will turn the page quickly. Understandably. So every fan base does it. Miles Sanders had 1,269 yards last year. You know, he had 250 or so touches. That's a lot, and that's production. Um, you can talk all you want about Rashad Penny and his talent when he's healthy. You think he's touching at 200? Are you going to bet on that? Uh, he's touching at 200. DeAndre Swift, career high, I believe 617 rushing yards. Kenny Gainwell, Boston Scott. There is no Miles Sanders there. So... You know, I don't know if I'm comfortable just handing off the football to that group. I think it's one of the bigger weaknesses on the Eagles team, on an Eagles team that doesn't have a lot of weaknesses. I would say linebackers, number one, and I would say running backs, number two. And that's by design. Those are the two positions they devalue. So they're trying to cobble it together. Now, what makes it easier for the running backs, Mark, is the quarterback. The quarterback makes it easier for the Eagles running back because he manipulates 
spacing, and he manipulates opposing defenses with his ability to pull the football and the threat to come out the back end. If you take that away, Eagles aren't the same. So I can't just say, uh, no, we're going to. Now, if you're up, here, here's where Brian and Shane talk about that. If you're up two touchdowns in the fourth quarter, yeah, just hand it off. But if you got to win a football game and it's close, you want Jalen manipulating the spacing so things are easier for Rashad Penny and DeAndre Swift and Kenny Gainwell. So, you know, those guys aren't Derrick Henry. The Eagles devalued the position, and I think we all agree with the way they, they've done it because it doesn't make sense to pay running backs in the modern NFL. But on the back end of that, you don't have great running backs. Same thing with linebackers. You know, everybody makes fun of the Bears, right? Because they signed T.J. Edwards and they signed Tremaine Edmonds and they spent $100 million on off-ball linebackers. And I'm with you. Jody can tell you. I'm first in line. The Bears are nuts. It's a bad organization. That's a bad way to build a roster. But guess what? They're better at off-ball linebacker than the Eagles because they got good players. Um, now, they don't have good players elsewhere, which is the problem. But in that one little position, they're better. So when you devalue positions, even if you're right, you have an issue with that position. Fair enough. Uh, and the Eagles have certainly for a long time devalued that linebacker position. I want to get to that uh, in just a second. But I do want to ask you about the coordinators here, not just Brian Johnson, but also Sean Desai. How difficult is it, if it's even possible, to get anything out of Sean Desai or Brian Johnson as far as things they might want to do in the upcoming season, Desai taking over for Jonathan Gannon? Any differences there? Or how has he been commanding his defensive unit? And then also Brian Johnson, Anything you can uh, gleam so far from the type of play caller he's going to be? Um, not yet. I think the play calling part of it is a feel because it's Nick's offense, and as Nick says, and a, a lot of a lot of the work is during the week. But I do think there's a feel for play calling um, that you have in the moment. Shane was very good at it. Um, I like to call it the callback. He would set people up with something in the first half, come back to it in the second half, run something different off the same look. He was really good at that, except for the Gardner Minshew play against New Orleans, but that was Gardner's fault. <laughs> um, uh, he was really good at that. And all you have to do is look at the difference between Nick Sirianni and Shane Steichen. Shane's a better play caller than Nick. Sorry, Nick. Shane's a better play caller than Nick. Um, same offense everybody's collaborating. So where's Brian Johnson on that scale? Maybe he's better than Nick, but not as good as Shane. Maybe he's better than both of them. Maybe he's worse than both of them. That's kind of wait and see. Um, but they have so much talent on offense. I think they're going to be fine. They're going to out talent people. They're just going to flat out out talent people on offense. Best offensive line in football one of the best quarterbacks, the two top receivers are off the charts, the tight end, unbelievable. They're just going to beat people on talent. So Brian set up very, very well. Um, 
Defensively, it's a bigger issue, obviously. Not only, you have so much change. Not only Sean, you have a new linebackers coach. You have a new secondary coach. Uh, you have, uh, you know, Denard Wilson's gone. Nick Rollis has gone along with Jonathan Gannon. Um, so you have all that change on the coaching staff. Plus, you got to replace five starters. Um, so, you know, there's a little bit more. And then you have the expectations, right? Because the fan base, and they get mad when I say it, you know, they hated Jonathan Gannon for whatever reason. Bottom line, though, number two defense, number one passing defense, 70 sacks. They made it to the Super Bowl, which seems to, you know, be, oh, that's not a big deal because you collapsed in the Super Bowl. It is a big deal to make the Super Bowl. Um, those are pretty high expectations for Sean Desai coming in because that wasn't good enough, right? That wasn't good enough. Um, the defense blew it, yada, yada, yada. Um, that's what he's walking into. The The thing I like about Sean is he he's better at branding uh, the defense. Um, and by that, maybe it was his time at Temple. I'll give the Temple shout out for Mark Barzetta. Thank uh, you. Appreciate under, it. He understands uh, the city, I think, a little bit better and what they want to hear. And he uses those terms, uh, palpable. We, you want it, you, we want you to feel us, but he's playing the same damn scheme. <laughs> um, so I think reflect he's the city, reflect the city. Yeah, I think he's better at branding it. Um, and I, I think that helps. I really do. Um, and maybe he'll be a little bit different in situations. Like yesterday, he was throwing the kitchen sink out there, you know which I thought was interesting. He he had a four safety look in an end of game situation. He had Derek Barnett dropping at, 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 as a linebacker, Josh Sweat dropping as a linebacker. Um, he had a four defensive tackle look at one point. They have so much depth on the defensive line. So he's doing some weird things to try to figure out what he has, which is interesting, but you know, let's play this out from a negative direction. If you got a four safety look and Justin Evans is out there giving up a big play, you know, how's that going to go over? Not good. Not good. Um, it's not going to go over well. If Marlon Tui Pelotu is out there instead of, I don't know, Hassan Reddick, because you have four defensive tackles and, Somebody makes a big play. How's that going to look? So it can work both ways. I think it's interesting. He's trying a bunch of different things, a lot of big nickel. Um, but, you know, um, I think it's more about trying to find out what the players can do at this point. Um, I think it's going to be very similar scheme-wise to what you saw last year. Uh, and, and I know you've been saying that for, for quite some time. This is generally speaking what the Eagles want to do, and Sean Desai is going to run something very similar to that, and he's not the one step removed from Vic Fangio, of course, that Jonathan Gannon was. No. But you talked about linebackers a second ago. Where What's going on with the Kobe Dean at this point? How how concerned should we be about this injury? And to, to add, I'll ask the question that I know people are thinking about right now with adding linebackers to this uh, team in the last couple of days here. Uh, is the Kobe Dean going to be the starting middle linebacker in week one? Where, where, where are we at with at least this competition, if there is one at middle linebacker? 
Yeah, I don't think there is. Um, but I, I do think, you know, they needed a better insurance policy because Nicobe, for all the optimism, you know, he's played 34 snaps. So, I mean, it's probably a good idea to have the insurance policy for the rainy day. You know, we had bad storms. You need insurance, people. Um, and the Eagles kind of figured that out. Nicobe's fine. I mean, they're just... He, he looked, he was working on a side field yesterday. He could play. If it were a real game this week, he could play. Um, they're just, that's the Eagles. If you're not 100%, they're not going to put you out there in the preseason. Um, I think it's all about that. I think the, the, the new, I think what they want is the better of the two, Miles Jack and Zach Cunningham, to be the uh, the linebacker opposite N'Kobe Dean. Um and it's very early. We've seen him for one practice. We're supposed to be able to talk to him today. We'll see. But it, it seemed to me like they kind of look at Zach as the run stopper and Miles as more of uh, a, a pass coverage linebacker. So maybe they even piecemeal it. Maybe it's Zach Cunningham on early downs. Maybe it's Miles Jack in obvious passing situations. They can go a lot of different ways. But it's nice to have some guys who played that are veterans that know how to play. Um, Cause they were looking, whew, it was looking bad at linebacker before those guys got here. Now I also brought up, if you remember 2016, Mark, Doug Peterson's first year, uh, Jim Schwartz's first year. Well, the Eagles have had trouble at linebacker forever. Uh, and, and the two guys that, you know, TJ Edwards and, sort of Alex Singleton that developed, they said, nah, we don't want to pay you. Um, it, it, back then, if you remember, Stephen Tullock came in, who was a very good player with Jim Swartz in both Tennessee and Detroit. Really good player, really solid player. And he came in and we're like, oh, Swartz has got Tullock. They'll be fine. He had nothing left, nothing. Nothing left. And that's what happens in the NFL. You know, good players aren't good players forever. Uh, so Zach Cunningham was a really good player at one point. Uh, Miles Jack was a, a solid starter. But we have to see, you know, they're on the street for a reason. Um, I don't know how much they have left. Uh, but you gotta believe they're going to give you a little bit more than Nicholas Morrow or, or Christian Ellis. Yeah. I, uh, well, I would certainly hope so. And, uh, Howie has been good at obviously bringing in guys to at least help, if not with depth and also come in and have a couple of impact impact plays here and there. Uh, everyone jumps to the defensive tackles. I know they did at the press conference with Nick Sirianni when he was asked about, uh, both linebackers coming in here. It's a similar situation to what you had last year at the D tackle position. But, uh, if there's one name, that I got to ask you about. It's a, it's a name, John, that I did not expect to see as as often as I have seen so far in training camp when it comes to the safety position. Obviously, uh, Terrell Edmonds is here. He's got, a, what, 75 starts under his belt, so he's obviously a veteran. Uh, you look at a guy like uh, Sidney Brown, who I thought would be competing for that number one spot to play next to Reed Blankenship, but the name I have not really expected to see Kayvon Wallace from the top rope all of a sudden. Does he literally look that much better, or is it honestly a lack of options at the safety position? What is Kayvon doing this year to get his name in the paper as much as I'm seeing it? Um, 
well, he's playing. He's playing okay. I'm not gonna. Okay, you know what? You just answered the question. Moving. No, I'm just kidding. Go well, ahead. Well, I mean, Kayvon got. <laughs> it's clear that Reed Blankenship is the Eagles' best safety. I mean, it is overtly clear, uh, crystal clear, and to the point where. And I think my buddy Zach Berman wrote this morning, and he's right. There's sort of like a cognitive bias because he was undrafted. Like, if you didn't know Reed Blankenship was undrafted and you just watched every practice, you'd say, oh, that guy's pretty good. Um, he he has just been rock solid. And he so he's he's sort of... I, I don't even want to go Marcus Epps because I think he's better than Marcus Epps. He's sort of developed into that Marcus Epps. Like, he's the guy. He's the guy that's going to be out there barring injury every single play. Um, and it, I think he's going to be a good player. Um, then it comes down to Terrell Edmonds. Still, I would say, a little bit ahead of Kayvon Wallace. But ultimately, they want to get to Sidney Brown. You, you can see the difference between the burst, the athleticism of Sidney Brown. It's pretty clear, but he's making a lot of mistakes. He's a rookie. And and rarely do you hear coaches, and if you go back to Sean Desai's last uh, press conference, and, and Sean, you know, he brought up the mental errors. He said mental errors. You know, right now there's too many mental errors. Um with Sidney Brown. So ultimately the end game is to get the Reed Blankenship and Sidney Brown. I don't think you're going to get to Sidney Brown at, at, by week one. I don't think he's ready to play. Hopefully maybe by the second half of the season uh, until that time. Um, I would still lean Terrell Edmonds a little bit more than Kayvon Wallace, but he's relevant Mark. And they play a lot of big nickel, a lot of three safeties. And when that happens, Terrell Edmonds is going to play linebacker and Kayvon's going to be on the field. So he's going to have a role early in the season. And yeah, maybe he's like one of the biggest um, guys who, who, who have gotten a, another look, a second chance by the new coaching staff, because maybe he was a little bit pigeonholed by the old coaching staff. And the new guys come in with, hey, we don't have a history with Kayvon and say, you know what? This guy's playing pretty well. Um, and and I think he's taking advantage of that. Uh, John, I, I got to ask you this. Dallas Goddard addressed the media yesterday, and he referenced Jalen Hurts' work ethic, which we're all very much aware of as far as how hard that man does work to be at the level that he's at right now. But he mentioned that he uh, Jalen Hurts took some kind of computer system. I don't know – Anyone nowadays that has a computer system, I know someone just has a computer, they have a tablet, they have a phone, but Dallas Goddard was like, oh, the computer system. He made it sound like Jalen Hurts was working for NASA uh, yeah, on the side. NASA. Well, you know. <laughs> what is that? It, he's between uh, Johnny Manziel and NASA, you know, somewhere in between. Um, I don't know if you saw Johnny's uh, zero. 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 zero point, no, the no Blue Tarski. As I call it, zero point zero. <laughs> I'm showing my age, but yeah. that that the Cleveland Browns put a little monitor on his iPad, and he admitted in this. If people want to see the documentary, he watched no film 
and that's not facetious, 0.0 film. So, yeah, I mean, if you look at the Tom Brady's of the world, the Peyton Manning's, and Jalen's got a similar work ethic, and he's always working to get better, and that's, you know, mm-hmm. it's part of the – it's part of the difference. And when you have a lot of talent and you work hard, think about Michael Jordan, basketball wise, Kobe Bryant. I love the story of Kobe Bryant. Um, you know, when Allen Iverson, who has tremendous talent and people in Philadelphia are aware, uh, goes out to visit, goes out to play the Lakers and they're having a little visit and having dinner together. And afterwards, Alan's like, all right, let's go out. And Kobe's like, I'm going to the gym. And Alan's going out. And that's sort of the difference between both had phenomenal talent, but one took it a little bit more. Um, and that's kind of like Jalen Hurts. He's always working, mm-hmm. always working. Uh, John, you put the quarter in this machine. Yes. Well, actually, Darius Slay did. Slade did this, uh, and you followed up being the bulldog veteran reporter that you are. Too veteran. Tell me. Uh, here's how Here's how veteran. I hurt my neck today, Mark. Uh, how did you hurt me? What? what is Sneezing. Uh, getting old sucks, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. I sneezed. I'm picking up my wife's shoes because she washes them too damn oh. much. And, you know, I didn't want to put them down, and I sneezed pretty violently, and I hurt my <laughs> I- neck. That's terrible. John McMullen, he's, uh, he's on the uh, the IL right now. On the injury report. I worked we'll, it out because you got to stretch it. We'll be limited in covering Eagles practice today. Uh, but I do want to ask you, John, Darius Slay, Fletcher Cox, Jordan Mylotta, Jalen Carter, which one of those names that Brian Johnson mentioned yesterday to your question about people lobbying for touches, which one of those names is going to get a way. touch this year? Because that's a goopy question, I admit. But Slay came in, as you pointed yes. out. Slay yes. came into the tent and said, give me the ball. Basically, <laughs> He always does. Um, so, yeah, if I had to guess somebody, it would be an offensive lineman. They already – Lane's got a touchdown for mm-hmm. people that forget. Mm-hmm. Um, that's always a play that, that works. Um, I, I would go Jordan, but not the fullback that fans want from seeing the rugby – um, and not Jordan Davis, Jordan Mylotta mm. from the rugby clips. And they say, give him the football, hand it off, not handing it off, but you make him tackle eligible. You throw him the football. I could see that happening. at oh, some point. Just give me one toss, line him up in the backfield, toss it, man. And just, just get crazy. Want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. John, uh, are you at the link already? You and your car? Where are you? No, I am at home. I'm leaving as soon as I get off. Yeah, Lincoln Financial Field uh, practice. Invitation only, so don't show up. (laughs) People will still be tailgating outside just looking to get a glimpse of anyone. Uh, John McMullen, always great catching up with you. Uh, Thank you for doing the uh, the opening segment of the show with your Eagles and training camp responsibilities and your writing responsibilities as well. Obviously, you guys catch, you guys know this out there in the chat and everybody, the Birds 360 five jody mack and johnny mack obviously every day i've been lucky enough and uh you know fortunate enough to uh to fill in for you guys from time to time so look forward to catching up with you tomorrow uh i know it'll be you and me friday doing the show yeah, Jody, whole, show, the rest of the whole week. show friday i'm looking forward to it Mark. me me and as I well appreciate it 
Absolutely. Absolutely. The great John McMullen, of course, on Birds 365. He'll be headed to training camp. And coming up in just a little bit, I'll be joined by uh, Bill Colarolo, of course, of Legal Hands to the Face. He's been a guest on Jacob Media, uh, football analyst. Uh, Bill will be joining us coming up in just a minute when we return here on Birds 365. Passionately, go fearlessly, go confidently. Go first. <clears throat> go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction, go with trust. Go first. And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. fans on earth it's a bold statement but would you expect anything less from philadelphia 58 years of heartache creates a toughness a grit a resolve not found in most sure our prayers were answered but now that we've had a taste we're looking for more pondley hockey official partner of the philadelphia eagles Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles Welcome back, Mark Farzetta in for Jody McDonald and now joining us from Legal Hands to the Face our man Bill Calarulo joining us. What's up, Bill? What's going on, Farzi? How you doing, brother? I, I'm doing excellent, man. Looking forward to working with you for the next 90 minutes. We will be joined by Derek Gunn. He'll be joining us at uh, 920. Give us a preview of Sports Take coming up, of course, at noon and talking all things Eagles with us, Bill. Uh, what's on your mind today regarding those birds, man? What, what, what's popping? What's the first thing that comes to mind when you think Eagles today? I'm still just frustrated that it took this long to get some depth at that linebacker position. <laughs> really? <laughs> I've been I've been preaching it 
all summer long since they let TJ Edwards and Kazir White walk that they had to do something. I mean, I know we're all hopeful N'Kobe Dean's going to be the guy he was at Georgia, but this is a guy who's played 34 snaps in the NFL, Farzi, 34 snaps. He's got 13 career tackles, and we're putting all of this on his shoulders this year. You had to bring in some depth. I mean, you, you see what's happening with him having this ankle injury. Miles Jack's already getting first-team reps. It's crazy that it took this long to get some depth there, but I'm happy they did. I just don't know how much Jack and Cunningham have left in the tank. That's all. So, so obviously, everyone is anticipating some kind of move. Nick Sirianni even said himself during the press conference that this isn't. You know, he said, "Oh yeah, you know, we need to need some more bodies in that room." But he said everything's a competition. That's one of their core values. To quote him, it's one of their core values: competition. Is there real competition now for the you know really any linebacker spot, including the Kobe Deans? I usually don't take a lot of stock in what they say. I like to look at what they do. And if you look at the deals they gave Cunningham and Jack, they're paying them double what they were paying Nicholas Morrow. So they go out early in the offseason. They bring in Nicholas Morrow on a one-year deal. They're only paying Morrow $1.15 million. They give Jack and Cunningham identical deals. Each are getting $2.5 million each. So they're paying them more than double what they're paying Morrow. So I do think they're hopeful these guys are going to come in and compete for that off-the-ball linebacker spot because I don't know how much confidence they have in Nicholas Morrow. He's a guy Chicago clearly thought they were upgrading when they brought on T.J. Edwards. They're paying T.J. Edwards a lot of money to be their new linebacker, and they let Morrow walk. So I don't know what the Eagles are going to do. I'm just the positive here. I don't want to be all doom and gloom this morning. The positive is you got to hope that that defensive line, especially that interior of that defensive line, is so damn good that me or you could be making tackles back there. I mean, that's what we have to hope happens. Mm. Yeah, let's uh, let's let's not get too cocky on that one. Uh, <laughs> I still got people that uh, text me about a freshman football game I played against LaSalle allowing two touchdowns, man. I still haven't forgiven myself for it. Um, but uh, looking at this defense as a whole, Sean Desai obviously taking the reins here. Uh, we just had this conversation with John McMullen. It, it seems like this Eagles team, whether it's Howie Roseman or whether it's Nick Sirianni uh, himself, Everything seems to always have their fingerprints on it with Howie Roseman, though. Uh, what are we to expect? I always feel like the outline of the defense is set by Nick Sirianni. This is what I like my defense to do. In today's NFL, you can't be as aggressive as you maybe once were by being able to send someone that you rather have in coverage after the quarterback or trying to get into the backfield to try to disrupt something. That aggression doesn't exist for most teams, especially it doesn't exist with the Philadelphia Eagles, albeit all the sacks they got last year. That was mostly from your four-man front, making sure that they won their one-on-one -on -one battles. Now, also a guy like Asan Reddick won his battles on the edge. You were able to overload on one side occasionally and make sure that he could take advantage of going around a guy like Brandon Graham, for instance. So what do you expect from Sean Desai's defense in terms of anything that might be different than what you saw under Jonathan Gannon? I'm sure he'll have some wrinkles he'll add in, but I think you're going to see a very similar defense to what we saw from Jonathan Gannon. They both come from that Vic Fangio school of bend but don't break. Don't Like you said, you're not very aggressive in today's NFL. These quarterbacks are too good that they can beat you when you bring too many players. I know Desai said in his initial interview with the media he wants – he wants teams to be able to feel this defense. He said all the right things because we in Philadelphia love that aggressive defense that's going to hit and blitz and do all these things. 
but I don't think you're going to see a lot of it. I think it's going to be a very similar type of defense where they're going to try to get there with their front four, occasionally bring somebody, but I think it's going to be a very similar defense. One of the wrinkles we have seen so far in training camp is a lot of this three-safety look. You didn't see a lot of that last year with Jonathan Gannon. I don't know how much they're going to use it, but it's something they've been experimenting with on that defense. Partially, I think, because of the weakness at our linebacker position. There's not a lot of depth there, so maybe they're looking to see how to bring in three safeties, but that's also another position that we have question marks on, You know, losing both starters from last year. But I think Sean Desai will have to see how he approaches this season. But from everything that I'm reading and watching about his prior defenses, it looks like it's going to be fairly similar to Jonathan Gannon. Mm. And I know Gannon is a very polarizing figure in this town. He did have a good defense last year. But everything that we were concerned about came back to haunt us at the worst possible time in Super Bowl 57, the lack of adjustments, the inability to beat good quarterbacks. That was the main problem is Gannon was so good against average quarterbacks, but once an above average quarterback got a hold of that defense, they seemed to just pick it apart. Mm-hmm. And how dare you say Jonathan Gannon did good or this defense was good? <laughs> how dare you, sir? Um, look, I know you don't want to be doom and gloom, and I don't want to be doom and gloom either, but you don't sound like you're extremely – now, look, I don't know anyone who's extremely optimistic about the Eagles' linebacking situation right now, linebacker situation right now. Uh, but I am optimistic about N'Kobe Dean. I wouldn't say I'm extremely optimistic. I would say that I am going to buy stock in N'Kobe Dean, not a billion shares or anything like that. But I look at it like this. I mean, look, you can look at what's been here already, whether it be Alex Singleton, who also signed a nice deal with the Broncos. You mentioned TJ Edwards signing his deal with the, uh, with the with the Bears. The Eagles are investing a third-round pick in a guy that a lot of people thought had better pedigree than a third-round pick. At worst, a second-round pick. He fell all the way to the third round. Uh, I look at it as a guy that will go out there and has the, has instincts, which will make him react quickly, and then has the quickness and the speed to capitalize on those instincts as well. Not to mention the fact that I think any linebacker with speed and instincts is has a little bit of a break here with who's going to be hitting guys in front of him, who's going to be trying to create push in front of him. And he doesn't know anybody better than he knows Jalen Carter and he knows Jordan Davis. So I think that right there will be a recipe, not for perennial Pro Bowl contention, but at least a, a recipe for some success here at the linebacker spot. Do you see... Any optimism for Nicobe Dean as a regular starter for the next, you know, five to six years at the NFL level here with the Philadelphia Eagles? Yeah, let me be clear, Farzi. I agree with you. I have a okay. lot of optimism when it comes to Nicobe Dean. We saw him do it at the highest level in college, in that SEC, playing against the best talent that college football has to offer. And he didn't just play well, he dominated on the best defense we have seen maybe ever in college football. He was the leader of that defense. He dominated from that linebacker position. So I have a lot of optimism. My only concern is, is I don't think there is anyone that can say with absolute certainty that a guy who we've only seen play 34 defensive snaps, that we should be putting all of this on his shoulders with really out any depth at that position. So that's why I do think this was a smart move by the Eagles it reminded me a lot of what they did last year with Nadamakan Sue and Linval Joseph. They brought them in a little bit later, obviously, but bringing in two veterans to hopefully solidify that position. But I just don't understand what took so long. And then my concerns, too, were just, well, why are they still available? It's, it's August. Why are those guys still available? But N'Kobe Dean, 
I am I don't want to be doom and gloom. I am very optimistic with his intelligence level, with his ability for what, what we saw at Georgia. I think this guy is going to be a stud. What everyone's concerned about is is his size. Now, this injury that he sustained, this ankle injury, seems to be a little bit fluky. But can he withstand a 17-game season at his size from that linebacker position? I hope that he can. But again, these are all question marks of why you need to have depth at that position. Mm-hmm. All right. I want to flip things over and talk a little offense here. And hopefully we can get some optimism going here. Maybe you could settle a debate that John and I were having a little bit here. Because I'm... I, I, it's I, I don't want to go to extremes here. And I know a lot of people like to go to extremes right out of the gate, but I feel like there's some kind of happy negotiation here, some kind of happy give and take when it comes to Jalen Hurts and the amount of times he runs. Now, let me just state this. I love Jalen Hurts for the player that he is. I love everything that Jalen Hurts does, but I think it's up to the coaching staff sometimes to save him from himself. Now, we were talking about run pass options versus just straight up run plays. And I remember Last year, Nick Sirianni, I forget which game it was after, but Nick Sirianni, when he was asked about it after the, uh, by the media, you know, after Jalen Hurts has had a, a lot of runs in one particular game, he said, you know, maybe we need to take the option away from it and just call straight up runs. That's on me. That's on the coaches. That's, a, that's something that we got to do and make sure we work it in. I, I feel like there's a happy medium there where you can actually have him run and manipulate the defense, and I think that's a great thing. And I remember Miles Sanders coming out talking to him uh, after games where Gardner Minshew played or Kenny Gainwell coming out talking after games with Carter Minshew plays about how Jalen Hurts has that impact on the defense to open up running lanes for those running backs. So I don't want to take it away, but I think there is a way to maybe harness it a little bit more, especially when you're talking about the last two seasons with him as your starter. He's missed a couple of games in each season. So, I yes, and I know that quarterbacks can get hurt in the pocket as well. But when you look at last year's play against the Bears, it was on a play where he was running to the outside. He wasn't in the pocket. So that's something I want the coaching staff to be a little bit aware of and have kind of a good gauge, a good counter on, okay, this is a little too much of seeing Jalen out there. Maybe this is a play where if we're trying to run, maybe we just hand the ball to a running back. Where are you at on trying to limit a little bit but not completely take away that running ability of Jalen Hurts? I'm a little bit torn on this, and the, and the reason that I'm torn is I agree with you, 165 carries last year in 15 games is a lot for a quarterback, yeah. and the year before that, 139 carries, so that's a lot, and he only played 15 games, like you said, because he got injured in both seasons, but my concern about eliminating that is the Eagles offense, that RPO offense, you have to have the threat of the quarterback pulling the ball to be able to take it around the outside, or that offense doesn't work because Jalen Hurts is reading that defensive end. If he crashes down, the quarterback has to pull the ball. If he doesn't, like what we saw with Gardner Minshew, the running game doesn't work as effectively. So you know, can they tell him, hey, just give the ball to the running back, but I think teams will be able to start keying on that, and now your running game is not going to be as effective. But there's an area this year that I think they can start implementing into this offense, and you're already starting to see it in training camp, that could hopefully reduce the amount of runs, and that's going to be passes to the running backs out of the backfield, Mm -hmm. especially DeAndre Swift. We saw last year Boston Scott, Kenny Gainwell, and Miles Sanders all combined for only 48 catches. DeAndre Swift had 48 catches by himself in Detroit. And the year before that, he had over 60 catches. And as a rookie, he had over 40 catches. So this is a guy who can catch the ball out of the backfield. So I think a way that the coaching staff 
can start to reduce these runs without completely changing that RPO style of offense is some short passes to your running backs. I'd love to see them get back to being a dominant screen team like they used to be under Andy Reid. We have such an athletic offensive line, and now you put Cam Jurgens in at right guard. A lot of people were concerned about his size. Is he too small? Well, a way that you can really combat that is get him on the move, get him outside, run a little bit of a screen play, some swing passes to your running backs. He's a very athletic right guard. We've seen how intelligent he is. He reminds me a lot of Jason Kelsey. That's why they drafted him. So you put that athletic offensive line, and we know how good Lane Johnson and Jordan Maialata are. Start throwing a little bit more to your running backs. We've seen it in training camp, and I think that's a way to reduce the amount of carries Jalen Hurts has without really changing the essence of your offense. See, that's I'm like refusing to let myself get caught up in any screen game hype, Bill, because I, last year it was the same type of thing. Miles Sanders was even talking about it. Kenny Gainwell was talking about it. It's like, oh, the screen can be coming back. Brian Westbrook, 63 yards against Washington. It's all that great stuff. I love, I, refu- I, I, love I, I, I love it. I love it too, but I feel like every single year we get teased with it. But the interesting point that you bring up, is Cam Jurgens Like, first, okay, yes. Uh, he reminds me, and I think it's okay to say, it's okay to say this, the same style as Jason Kelsey. Now, whether or not he's going to have a Hall of Fame career, I'll root for it, but I'm not betting on it. That's kind of hard to do. Yeah. But when it comes to his athletic ability and getting off the line of scrimmage and being able to make blocks downfield, I mean, Jason Kelsey, not only, not only does he emulate Jason Kelsey in terms of style of play, Jason Kelsey literally helped recruit the guy. He uh, literally helped scout the guy. Hey, this guy kind of reminds me of me, so maybe take a look at him here. And, and I think he has a lot of those same traits. But him being on this offensive line, and already he hasn't been named it yet, but look, to your point, look at what they do, not what they say. He's the starting right guard of the Philadelphia Eagles for the 2023 season. So if he's going to be on the line of scrimmage, And he's got that same type of mobility at a younger age, though, than Jason Kelsey right now. I think uh, Brian Johnson, I think Nick Sirianni, when he's game planning throughout the week, would be dumb to not incorporate it with this backfield, with DeAndre Swift, as you mentioned, and Kenny Gainwell, also a guy that can catch passes out of the backfield. And then two of those offensive linemen and Jason Kelsey and Cam Jurgens. Because, like, what's better than Jason Kelsey running down the field blocking on a screen i'll tell you two jason kelsey's running down the field blocking for a screen so maybe with your point on cam jurgens maybe this is the year i actually finally buy into the idea of the screen game making a triumphant return to the philadelphia eagles backfield that's what i'm hoping too that's what i'm hoping too but i really thought all offseason it was a little overblown about cam jurgens size a lot of people say, oh, he's too small to play right guard. He's too small to play right guard. Tyler Steen's going to compete for that position. And like you said, it's really not a competition. They have not given Tyler Steen any first-team reps outside of when Cam Jurgens slides over to center to take some reps when Kelsey sits, just so that they can all get familiarity with different positions. But this is Cam Jurgens' job. And I know these football players list themselves a little bit differently. I did the same thing, always made myself a little bigger. But... <laughs> Cam Jurgens is listed at 302. Isaac Sayamala was listed at 304. So the way they're listed is not a drastic difference. I mean, when you look at them, the eye test tells you Sayamala is a little bit bigger. But these guys are so good at using leverage. Cam Jurgens is so intelligent and strong and athletic that I was never of the, the mindset he's too small to play the right guard position. So I'm very confident in this offensive line. They're going to be a very athletic offensive line and a very intelligent 
offensive line. And you're putting Cam Jurgens. You mentioned Jason Kelsey is going to be a Hall of Famer. There's going to be another one to his right in Lane Johnson. So you're putting Cam Jurgens in between two future Hall of Famers. I think he's going to be just fine. All right. Uh, let's have some fun before we end the uh, the the, the uh, second segment of the show here before the 9 o'clock break. Um, yesterday, Darius Slay interrupted the press conference with Brian Johnson. And he said, put me in a receiver, coach. Put me in a receiver. And apparently, Slay does this quite often. So looking at it like that, a couple of names got mentioned, and he was asked by our friend John McMullen about anybody else vying for touches that you might not expect. Of the names mentioned, Jalen Carter, fullback at uh, Georgia there for a heartbeat. Uh, Jordan Mailata, obviously the rugby background. Darius Slay, Slay, just give me the ball, and I'll take care of the business. And then this one, Fletcher Cox. <laughs> Of those four names, Bill, who do you want to see get the football this year? And I, I'm not talking about fumble recovery. I'm talking about a planned, designed play. Who do you want to see get the ball? I don't think it's going to happen. But what I would <laughs> love to see is Jordan Maialata get the ball. You look at those highlights from when his Australian football days, if they just threw a little toss to him on the five-yard line, there's nobody stopping that guy. I, I would love to see them give a little toss to Jordan Maialata. I don't think you're going to see it. You know, and Slay can keep lobbying. Our receivers are too damn good to replace him with Darius Slay. Not that Darius Slay is not a great athlete, but you got A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard. We don't need Slay at that position. But the little <laughs> toss to Jordan Maialata on the goal line to see what he could do with it, I'll sign up for that. See, here's the thing. I absolutely love the idea. Love the idea of tossing it out to Jordan Mailata in space. I'm not talking about a goal line. I'm like, I'm talking about like you're on your own 40-yard line. And let's just like, hey, have at it, son. Then somehow run the bubble screen, pull him up as a tight end, pop him out there beside behind some uh wide receivers. I don't know, but put a put a running back out there too to block for him. I don't know. But I just love the idea of just seeing that man run. Now, for the record, the rugby tape that we've all seen, that was some years ago. He's put on some weight. He's a little bit of a bigger body guy. And I, I forget who it was with the Eagles. Maybe it was Dallas Goddard that said, you know, he put a big man out there running in some space. Guys are going to go after his knees, and we need him too bad at left tackle. So if I had to pick a, a number two guy to get the football, I do want to see Darius Slay get the ball. I mean, the, the idea of Fletcher Cox kind of being like a Warren Sapp tight end, right? Catching a touchdown would be cool. Doing the pogo dance, right? Yeah, but if you put Darius Slay in the end zone and the football in his hands in an offensive set, oh my! Could you imagine the sound bites after that game of what you've been hearing from Darius Slay? How much, how much crap he'd be talking to AJ Brown and, and, and uh, Devontae Smith and these guys about him getting in the end zone, catching a touchdown pass? Yeah, we would never hear the end of it. Never hear <laughs> the end of that one. Never hear the end of one. But you mentioned Jordan Mailata. That was some years ago. It's incredible what that guy has been able to do. Never playing football before. I mean, I'm so jealous of Jordan Maialata's skills in every aspect. Not only did he learn how to play left tackle in an extremely short time and is playing at a high level in the NFL, the guy can also sing. I mean, what can he not do? You know, he's he's got more gifts, man. But uh, he just seems, from all accounts, like such a good dude, too. You know? mm -hmm. Yeah, going back to that offensive line, you did mention the name Tyler Steen a while ago. Uh Lane Johnson's the one that kind of put the quarter in that machine as far as there actually being a competition because I think most people, Bill, were looking at it with the idea that Cam Jurgens was just going to slide right in there and play right guard, and that's exactly what's happened to this point. 
But looking at what Lane Johnson had to say, it was like, yeah, these two guys are very strong. These two guys are very committed to the playbook. They're very committed to studying. They're, there's going to be a battle. Both these guys are really strong guys coming in. The thing that's interesting is that Cam Jurgens has played at the phone booth before. Tyler Steen has not played at the phone booth before. We're talking about a guy that's been a tackle in, in his college career. He has not played the guard position. The Eagles just went right ahead and drafted him as a guard. And I guess he's going to be the right guard of the future, but he's certainly not going to be the right guard of right now, especially with Jason Kelsey not retiring. Obviously, Cam Jurgens is going to be playing that right guard spot. When I look at Tyler Steen, I, I do question the idea. I do question whether or not he is ready to play the guard position, not just at the NFL level, but at any level, even if he was at the college position. Would he be able to play right guard? So, I mean, obviously it would be an easier transition for him at the college level, but is he not learning the playbook? Is he not digesting what Jeff Stoutland is trying to teach him at Stoutland University? Is he struggling with things in the early goings of this? Because for him, it's a much bigger transition than it is for Cam Jurgens. Yeah, you mentioned Stoutland University. I'm, I'm confident Jeff Stoutland will get him up to speed, but the question is how quickly. So you're right. Is there going to be a tough transition? The, the reason that everybody was saying Tyler Steen projects more as a guard come out of college is because of his arm length. Scouts love arm length. So they want you to have those longer arms on the outside as a tackle. But in, in some respects, it's a little bit easier to go inside to that guard position because you are protected. On the outside, when he's playing the tackle position at Alabama, there's nobody protecting him around the outside, around the edge. So if he does slide in the guard, it's a little bit easier because you have people to your left and to your right. But I'm sure, like you were saying, learning this playbook, these blocking schemes are a lot more advanced. You need to know what you're doing, and you're learning a whole new position. So I do think you'll see some transition there. But hopefully Stoutland, we were just talking about Jordan Maialata, Look what Stoutland's been able to do with a guy who's never played at all. I'm confident he'll be able to get a guy who played tackle up to speed for guard when Kelsey retires. Hopefully it never happens, but it's going to happen soon. And you, know, you hope Cam Jurgens can slide into that center position when it does happen. Tyler Steen steps right in, and they don't miss a beat at right guard. But you know, I agree with you. I think there's probably some, some learning curve here that's preventing Tyler Steen from getting into that that battle with Cam Jurgens. Yeah, they haven't even gotten to the first preseason game yet, but it feels like that battle is, it's not even a battle. It's already just been decided. But the only reason I really bring it up isn't even for a preseason or position battle. It's for the fact, the fact that during the course of the season, you see different guys in there. You see some, not a rotation necessarily, but injuries do happen, unfortunately. Nobody's rooting for it. Uh, but when it comes to the offensive line, they've had guys like Jack Driscoll that could just go in there and play. Even Andre Dillard turned himself into a decent backup, whether that be at the tackle position or that be a left tackle position with, with Jordan Mailata. Forget about him just learning the position here at the pro level, but also going over to play right tackle as well. And then Andre Dillard actually becoming a decent guard. Now, he had guard experience in college, unlike Tyler Steen, but he went into that role, especially at the left guard spot last year, and filled in admirably at that spot. So I look at a guy like Tyler Steen, like if he is called upon to do so, to fill in for a game or two or anything long that, or longer than that, will he be ready to go? Are you confident? And I know everyone's confident in Jeff Stoutland, but each player is an individual. Each player is their own story. Are you confident that he will have learned enough and improved enough to be a starting guard on this team or really even a starting tackle on this team? They may not need him to be. You know, you still got Jack Driscoll on this team. So they have some depth at that offensive line, but we'll see. I mean, it's still extremely early. I'm hopeful. You never know with the Philadelphia Eagles and Nick Sirianni who you will see in the preseason games. But let's see what Tyler Steen looks like against other NFL talent. 
and how he's progressing. I think it's a little early to say now if I have confidence in whether or not he could step in if someone goes down, but I'm looking forward to seeing him against other NFL talent this week. We'll see. Like I said, they don't play anybody, but I would think a guy like Tyler Steen is going to get a lot of reps and we'll get a better understanding of how far along he is. But they do have some depth along that offensive line to be able to move move some people around. Mm-hmm. And then they just brought back uh, Stills, who yeah. was exonerated or found not guilty. Is that yeah, uh, yeah quitted. Yeah, but yeah. So they'll have some depth there. We may not need to go to Tyler's team, but we'll see. I'm looking. That's one of the guys I'm really looking forward to seeing in the preseason game, along with those other rookies on the defensive side of the ball. Bill Calarulo, you have uh, something coming up here that not a lot of people have talked about, but we'll talk about it because it's a huge concern of yours that I know a lot of people aren't – they're letting it fly under the radar as of right now. We'll talk about that. Also, uh, at 9.20, we're going to be talking to uh, our friend Derek Gunn. He's going to preview what's coming up on Sports Take a little bit later in the the day here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. We'll talk to Gunner coming up at 9.20 today. But when we come back, a, uh, a concern that's flying under the radar for some people, but not you, Bill. You're sharp as a tack, my friend. We'll be back here with Bird uh, 365 coming up in a second. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. If you own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods.
and save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Welcome back, Birds 365. Bill Calarulo joining us from Legal Hands to the Face podcast and social media. Make sure you guys are following Bill across all social media platforms uh, as well. Bill, you and I were talking yesterday, and I barely even thought about it because I, I, I'm looking at linebackers, I'm looking at offensive linemen, I'm talking, thinking about Jalen Hurts, how he improves upon next year, last year's incredible run, and and all that. Uh, new new coordinators, which I think is like the lead story that we won't know anything about until. They actually get into the game and start calling plays. Uh, but special teams is fascinating. And I've talked about Kayvon Wallace stealing a lot of headlines, you know, a name we, we've, re- we've really barely talked about over the last couple of years uh, in, with any adulation. But the punter position, kick return, punt return, special teams for this squad, anybody na- not named Jake Elliott is, is a little worrisome. Where are you at on special teams, my friend? It's a real area of concern. You look at last season – I was extremely surprised that they brought back the special teams coordinator, Michael Clay. And I think the only reason that they did was because Nick Sirianni didn't want to have to replace all three coordinators. They lose Shane Steichen. They lose Jonathan Gannon. It was the first time since 2004 that a Super Bowl team lost both coordinators following the Super Bowl. And before that, it hadn't happened since 1994. So it's only happened twice since 94. I couldn't imagine them wanting to replace all three coordinators. So they bring Michael Clay back. But that was a unit that struggled all season last year. They were in the bottom three for kickoff returns against. They were in the bottom two for net punting yards. And their return game was average, middle of the pack, both kick returning and punt returning. So that's something that needs to improve. The Eagles were able to get by last year during the regular season because their offense and defense was so damn good. But look what happened at the worst possible moment in Super Bowl 57. That Cardarius Tony punt return kills us. I still have nightmares about that. (laughs) So they need to make sure you've heard the cliche, Farsi. Everybody said football's a three-phase game, offense, defense, and special teams. Well, it really is. And when you have a defense that's going to be going through some growing pains this year, new defensive coordinator, new linebackers, new safeties, we can't afford to give other teams excellent field position. So the special teams unit is a unit that they have to solidify. It has to be better. We'll see some of these young guys that they brought in, Sidney Brown, Keely Ringo, can they help on that special teams unit? Because something needs to change. Last year, it was not very good. You mentioned the punting position. I like Aaron Sippus. He didn't have a horrible year last year. I think he rushed back from injury. He had that. We all fell in love with him when he told that Giants fan to go 
F himself <laughs> in uh, <laughs> in the Meadowlands. You know, that was uh, – we all felt, hey, he's one of us. Sippus is one of us. But I think he rushed back from injury for that Super Bowl. He didn't have a great Super Bowl. I think he'd be the first to tell you. But there's a little bit of a punting battle this training camp. You got Aaron Sippus and Ty Zetner, the leg, they call him. So we will see. But they just have to solidify, especially the return average against – the punt returns and the and the kickoff returns, you started to see Britton Covey really come on last year. I know a lot of guys were down on Covey as a punt returner. In his last six games, he was really in the top five of the league for punt returns. I'd be okay with that. I think the offense is good enough that we don't need our return game to necessarily be the best, but it's our returns against that needs to improve. You can't be in the bottom three for kickoff returns and the bottom two for net punting yards and expect to win a lot of games against good teams in this league. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned the, the punting situation here. It seems like every time I'm reading about the punters or watching video on the punters, it always seems like uh, Cipros is, is out there and he's not having a good camp, and then Zetner's out there and he's having a worse camp. So it's like you, they're not, they're not going to bring in a third punter. Okay, I'm not saying that, but it, I almost feel like how I feel about the linebacker position. It's like it's really thin right now. It's not going really well for anybody. But this is what they got. Now they're going to bring in linebacker help, and they have done that. They're not going to do that with the punter. So I think it's Ziprost, again, is going to come in here and just be your punter. And look, not only was it the, the interaction with the Giants fan that people were kind of won over by that. I mean, let's not forget the guy started out really well punting footballs for the Philadelphia Eagles. The field position was great. He was flipping the field a lot of times to help out the Eagles' defense. And really, over the last, I don't know, half year and a half, it kind of feels like that has gone by the wayside with them where you can't rely on him to be as consistent. And yes, the Super Bowl, that is in my head as well, leaving that one shanked as well. Yeah, that one that one hurts. That one hurts. But I have confidence in Sippus. I think that his punting average was decent last year. It's the, the net average because of the return game. You're giving up way too many yards on those punt returns. So we'll see what they do. But Again, I really think they would have replaced Michael Clay. I, I don't think they would have brought back him as a special teams coordinator, but they do, and they even give him more money, which I thought was surprising. But yeah, uh, I guess everyone else leaving, they wanted to give him something. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but uh, here's where I'm at, uh, and and the the subject is the perfect one. I go back to the Super Bowl year of winning, the year they won the Super Bowl. Going into that season, we were talking about the long snapper with John Dorabas obviously being traded and then having his life saved, which awesome, you know, great. Uh, and we were talking about Nick Foles as a backup quarterback and whether or not he had played enough in the preseason. All right. Those were the concerns going into the season. Those were the concerns, Bill. I'm looking at the concerns this year, and yeah, I think you have more glaring concerns. Your safety position, you're unsure of one safety position, but I think either way, even if Terrell Edmonds is going to be back there, that's still a guy that's a veteran, and he's got uh, plenty of experience under his belt. If you go uh, a younger direction to Kayvon Wallace, and that means in front of a new coaching staff, he has earned that right, and I'd be excited to see it. If you go uh, to Sidney Brown, you're going with youth, but a guy that is looking to hit somebody, a a guy that is looking to be aggressive. So there's still optimism there around the safety division, I feel, albeit still a position battle. We both expressed optimism when it came to the linebacking core, when it came to Kobe Dean getting healthy and then showing us hopefully what he can do when he's out there on the football field. But bottom line, when we're talking about things, we're also talking about the right guard position as a position battle. Now, I mean, bottom line is, through when the, do- when the dust settles, Jalen Hurts is still your quarterback, and he's throwing to A.J. Brown, 
He is throwing to Devontae Adams. He is throwing to Dallas Goddard, a guy that I think will be on the top 100 list next year, and I don't think it's a question as long as he stays healthy, which has been a bit of an issue. And they're playing, by the way, with this offensive line. I know everyone loves to say defense win championships because coaches like to make you work hard and practice, but uh, the NFL doesn't really care as much about defense as much as it once did, and everything has been benefiting the offense. So I I say all that to set up this question. I've talked to a couple of reporters that have been down there every day. John McMullen's not one of them that has said this, so nobody fire anything at John, okay? But there's almost a sense of like, all right, go through the motions. This team's awesome. Yeah, let's talk about a punter and a punter battle, whatever it might be. But this team's great. This team's stacked. This team's going to win the NFC back-to-back years for the first time since, what, 2004? That hasn't happened? The yeah, NFC almost East. 20 years. The NFC, the NFC East, excuse me. So, like, I am in that same kind of mindset. I'm curious about the position battles, and I think most fans, I'll look at the chat, but I think most fans are, yes, they're curious about the position battles, but whoever wins, fine. Is Jalen Hurts still here? Is, is A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, is that offense still here? Is the offensive line still here? Is, is Nick Sirianni, the, 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 the guy that made it to a Super Bowl his second year as a head coach, is he still here? Because if that's all still in place, oh, and Howie Roseman going to make another acquisition at some point during the season? Yeah, I feel pretty good about the Eagles' odds of making it back to a Super Bowl. So with all that, where is your confidence level that, yeah, they got position battles, but this team is still pretty damn good? Yeah, no, make no mistake about it, Farzi. We're nitpicking here. I agree with you. This roster is stacked. I am very confident going into this season. And mainly because if you look around the NFC, there is no quarterback-coach combination better than Jalen Hurts and Nick Sirianni in the NFC. My biggest concern isn't special teams, isn't right guard, isn't safety, isn't linebacker. It's really that Super Bowl hangover. I mean, there is a reason that a team has not gone back from the NFC after losing the Super Bowl in, what, almost 50 years. I think you got to go back to 1974. The Minnesota Vikings were the last team from the NFC to lose and go back. But the reason that I'm still confident, even with all that being said, and having the hardest schedule in the league, Farzi, let's not forget that. They have the hardest strength of schedule going into this season. But the reason I'm so confident is Jalen Hurts, Nick Sirianni, and the veteran leadership on this team. You look around, Jason Kelsey, Fletcher Cox, and Brandon Graham, if they stay healthy this year, will finish as one, two, and three as the most games played in a Philadelphia Eagles uniform in franchise history. All three of those guys may break the record this year. That's incredible. And you still have Lane Johnson, another great veteran leader. And we know how good of a leader Jalen Hurts is. So if there is a team that is poised to buck the trend of the Super Bowl hangover and no repeat NFC East winner in almost 20 years, it is this Philadelphia Eagles team for a host of reasons. So, yeah, we're nitpicking. That's what we have to do in the preseason. But this team is stacked. This team is destined, I think, to repeat and go back to the Super Bowl. See, I, I look at that. Even the young guys. You mentioned the veterans. Jalen Hurts still the young guy on this team. But, he, I mean, look, he's going into his third year. But even a guy like Devontae Smith just has this kind of aura about him that he's a veteran player. You know, he, he just has that kind of maturity about his game. A.J. Brown and the my ball or nobody's ball mentality makes me feel a lot better because I think what happens with a lot of guys, and if you you read what a lot of coaches have said in the years past about going to the Super Bowl, losing the Super Bowl, and then having that, that, that hangover, that curse, whatever it might be, 
it's like every one of them has this commitment to a player. They want to go back to them, even though they might not have a lot left in the tank. They might get distracted. They might be trying too hard. Like, no, this is the expectation. I'm supposed to be this good. How come I'm not there? Then they start pressing. And then that's when they fall into that quicksand. I'm trying to do way too much. And the more they struggle, the more they sink, obviously. But there's something about this team where, yeah, the, the veteran leadership, even the young guys have that maturity about them where they just have a great head on their shoulders. And they don't, I don't think they overthink anything. I think even a guy like Jalen Hurts, who I don't know if you saw Dallas Goddard talking about it, with that whole computer system, quote unquote, that Jalen Hurts has to help him, you know, learn the playbook and, and diagnose defenses and all that stuff, just basically help him be a better quarterback. He's in that every single day for hours on end, trying to make sure that he is maximizing every ounce of potential that he has. So it's like this guy is voted the, the second best quarterback in the league by the players, the third best player overall by the players in the top 100, runner up in the MVP, of course, won an NFC championship. Lost the Super Bowl, unfortunately. Still, for the most part of that game, other than that fumble, played phenomenal. And he's still saying, wait, there's more. Like that, it's It really is, and some people might look at this as, as if it's high school hairy stuff, but if you talk about confidence in a team, what they got between the ears, for me, is what makes me think this team that you already know is extremely talented, but what's between their ears is going to keep them playing at that high level. And that's what gives me confidence that, this, making it to a Super Bowl last year is just the beginning of what this team could really do together for, for and for the amount of years that they'll be together with Howie Roseman waving his magic wand up there in the front office. So I got a lot of confidence in this team. If any team can do it, as you said, this is the team that is built to do it. And you got to give credit to Howie Roseman. I do think that they really put an emphasis on everything that you're talking about. It's not just the skills of these players, they brought in guys who have that attitude, that mentality to constantly compete and try to get better. And you hear Nick Sirianni talk about it all the time, compete, compete, compete. They're not just words. That is the DNA of this team. These are all guys who have played big programs in college. They started bringing in a lot of guys from Georgia, as we know, Alabama, as we know, and they have that mentality where nothing seems to phase these guys, and they all have that common goal of winning a championship. I loved what, what A.J. Brown said yesterday. They asked him about, how do you feel about Jalen Hurts being named number three to the NFL Top 100? He said, as his friend, I'm happy for him and everything he's been able to accomplish. As his teammate, I don't really care, and I don't think he cares either because that's not what they're about. They want to win championships. So I love the mentality of this team, and you're right. That is why I think if anybody can do it, it's going to be this 2023 Philadelphia Eagles team to repeat for the first time in 50 years from the NFC. You know what's wild is you mentioned what A.J. Brown had to say, but I think I – think- Jalen Hurts was um, telling a little bit of a, a lie the other day. Uh, last week when he came out and said he was upset that the lock screen photo made it out with him walking off the field after the Super Bowl loss with the Kansas City Chiefs confetti falling and not the Philadelphia Eagles confetti falling. I think if you're Jalen Hurts, maybe not even deep down, but maybe just under the surface, you're happy that that made it out. there Because who wouldn't want people to know that you have that kind of drive. And I think most people already understand that they didn't need that photo, but like you got to be some kind of sick masochist to want that photo on your phone at all times. You want to, I mean, motivation. Yeah, sure. But 
That's like the worst moment of your career, probably, right? Walking off the field after a Super Bowl, the biggest let, I'll say this, the biggest letdown in your career. Walking off the field after you had a 10-point lead at halftime, knowing that, unfortunately, yeah, bottom line is you did spot the Kansas City Chiefs seven points at that fumble. Yeah. But do you have that on your screen reminding you every single day, every single text message, every single time you go to scroll on your phone, that picture is there reminding you of that awful moment of losing the Super Bowl. As someone who wants this team to win, see them have success, see this fan base have another parade and have a season end on the Art Museum steps again, uh, yeah, that's the guy I want. That kind of that kind of mindset, that kind of mentality is exactly what I want my quarterback. Even with all the accolades, forget about it. The only accolade he gives a damn about is the one that gives us a parade. So I, I, I think it's pretty good that the fan base and the quarterback is on the same page. Definitely. And I saw a lot of Cowboys fans after that picture came out saying, oh, everybody killed Dak Prescott when his – lock screen photo on his phone was a picture of himself. I don't know if you remember that. I don't. What was it? What was he doing? There was a picture of Dak Prescott a couple years ago that showed his lock screen was just a picture of himself on his lock screen in a Dallas Cowboys uniform. And everyone said how crazy that was, how weird it was. And they tried to compare the two. They're not comparable at all. Jalen Hurts did not have that picture on his phone, as you know, because he loves himself and he wants to see his picture every day. It was a reminder to keep on working. Dak Prescott's was most like, like a vanity picture of himself. So a lot of Cowboys fans tried to compare the two. Oh, Eagles fans are hypocritical. No comparison. No what, comparison at what, all. What's your lock screen, Bill? I have a picture of the family. Picture oh, of the family. Right. How about you? Yeah. oh, it's a picture of me because I love me. <laughs> no. No, no, it's it's my wedding photo. It's me and my wife. That's what it is. Yeah, the core. It of the used family. to be a picture of you. I used to have a picture of Farzi on there, but I thought that was weird. <laughs> That's a little odd. That's a little odd. No, um, we'll ask Derek Gunn that same question when he joins us. He's going to be coming up, uh, joining Bill Calarolo and me, uh, talking all things Eagles here on Birds Three Sixty Five as we fill in for Jody Mac and Johnny Mac here on Birds Three Sixty Five on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds.
the greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Oh, there he is. Bill, look at him. The gunfather himself, Mr. Derek Gunn, joining us. Host, of course, the Sports Day with uh, Derek Gunn, with Rob Ellis. Gunner, joining us right now. What's up, Gunner? What's up, my brothers? <laughs> it's great to see you, man. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate you. Uh, first, uh, tell us, what do you guys get coming up on Sports Take later today? Uh, Rob Ellis and I uh, will be talking about everything pertinent coming out of the Eagles camp today. We are also taking a spin around the NFL by division in terms of uh, who looks the strongest in the division and who looks the weakest today. We will focus on the AFC North. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Uh, jam-packed division from top to bottom. It certainly is. I know a lot of people have gotten a look behind the scenes of uh, Kirk Cousins. Uh, you say you say NFC North, AFC North, AFC North. Never mind, forget it. We're going, anyway. through, the, we're going through the entire AFC first, and then coming back to the NFC. Of course, saving the Eagles in the, uh, in that division, NFC East for last. So, so it's like an eight day journey. Yeah. It's amazing, uh, AFC North. You talk about Mike Tomlin, man. But he, has he ever had a losing record as a coach? I don't think so. No. They finished last season. Uh, they won their last four straight. They finished seven and two. They were like three and seven at one point, and they ran the table. And he's been there sixteen years. He's never had a losing season. That's unheard of. <laughs> but you know, unfortunately, he uh, he's been to two Super Bowls, won one, uh, lost one. So, um, and if you know anything about the Pittsburgh Steelers organization, and I worked in that market for NBC for ten years. They are very loyal to their people across the board. When you think about since 1990, uh, 1969, they've only had Chuck Noll, um, uh, Bill, what's his name? Bill Cowher, and of course Tomlin as the head coaches. That's it. And I was there for the tail end of uh, Chuck Knowles and the be- uh, beginning of Bill Cowher's tenure. That's loyalty at its finest. You think about how many teams that have gone through more coaches in that than a span of three to five years. You know, so it's phenomenal what that organization yeah. does top to bottom. Uh, Gunner, we're trying to uh, nitpick here a little bit, and that's what it feels like we're you doing a lot of the time. No, no, right? Come on. Uh, I know that's what it feels like with a lot of people trying to figure out like the holes in the Eagles right now, where the biggest problems are. And I don't think it's the biggest problem, but I think it's something that some people would like to see. And that doesn't mean that we don't want to see Jalen Hurts ever run a football. That's not. I want him to be as unique as he can be. But is it a uh, priority for their new offensive coordinator, their new play caller, more importantly, for Brian Johnson to try somewhat to cut back on the amount of times that Jalen Hurts is is trying to run free around the edge? Yes, yes, and yes. 
the big question mark is how do you do that without handcuffing his overall athleticism and effectiveness in his offense? You know, there are times when that mental mechanism just kicks in when a quarterback can feel pressure coming from one way or the other steps up, doesn't see anything and just takes off. It's a natural instinct. It's been a natural part of his game for so long. So how do you rein that in without taking away what makes Jalen Hurts what he is? You have to find a balance there. You know, you look at what has happened with the likes of Lamar Jackson, prime example. You know, he goes from being an MVP winner early on in his year, as much for his legs as for his arm when he was a thousand-yard rusher, to missing significant time over the last couple of games. Yet, he still parlayed that into an incredible contract, you know, because they understand he is the franchise. So how do you do that? How do you – and by the way, Lamar Jackson came out earlier this year and said, with the additions of wide receiver, we're going vertical more which means it's going to take less off of him. So how do you do that with Jalen, especially him just turning 25? He's still young, you know, and that's such a vital part of what he does, being able to use his lower body strength in the run game. That's hard That's hard to do, and, I'm, and I can't wait to see how it happens, if it happens. Yeah, one of the things we were talking about earlier, D-Gun, is a way that maybe they can take some of this away from him would be throwing the ball to the running backs. Absolutely. Is that something you expect to see more of this year? You didn't, you didn't bring DeAndre Swift in here just to hold the clipboard. You know, that's his game. More so than his running ability, his ability to catch a ball out of the backfield. And I would put, and I've said this on a number of platforms, I would put him in a slot at times. You got to use him on wheel routes, middle screens, outside screens. I would put him in spaces where he can use that athleticism and his wiggle to get up and down the field. You know, I wouldn't bang him between the tackles. That's what you have Rashad Penny for. That's what you have Gainwell and Boston Scott for. Those guys can hammer it between the tackles. Swift, to me, is your home run hitter. You know, utilize him. Utilize him more so like a Christian McCaffrey or, you know, Austin Eckler, somebody like that. Get him out in space. Let him do their thing. So, yes, that is a definitive way uh, that, that you can take a lot of that pressure off of Jalen having to step up and run. You swing that pass out to somebody like DeAndre Swift. And, of course, Boston Scott, Gainwell, and Penny, they're going to get the swing touches as well. Gunner, a two-part two, two part question. Uh, first part, One where, part are, what, where, where are you? You don't have those fish I caught for you hanging in the background. What's going on there? <laughs> you mean those guppies I've seen you catch? I am, I am right now. I am right now huddled down in my wife's office. Mm, she it. doesn't know it. She's still upstairs. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. So I get really upstairs. I get. I said I'm going to come down here, and and look at the house from a different perspective. I <laughs> don't get to see. You look much more intellectual with this. Yeah, with this, uh, back there. yeah. <laughs> those are all, trust, those are all her books. That's only a small portion of her shelves here. That's these are all her books, and I guarantee you, she's read most of them. Copy that. Copy that. Um, uh, here's what I do actually want to ask you here. Um, there are some position battles obviously going on here at training camp. That's what training camp is. Linebacker, safety, I guess technically right guard, but we already know that's been decided. Uh, punter, uh, what position battle are you watching the closest? What are you keeping the closest eye on when it comes to the position battles of training camp? It has to be obvious. It has to be the linebacking position. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you go out and they get not one, but not two veteran linebackers. Um, everybody who watches Eagles team knew even before the draft that linebacking was a weak link on this team. Um and they didn't address it until just a couple of days ago. And how he went out and, and pulled a Indama Kinsu Linvale Joseph. 
Now, to what degree will they be incorporated in this defense? That remains to be seen. We saw Miles Jack in the middle yesterday, obviously because Nicobe Dean's out. All of a sudden, people are saying, "Oh, there's a competition between Nicobe Dean." No, for right now, it is Kobe Nicobe Dean's position to win or lose. You know, when you're talking about a high ankle sprain like that, um, you have to proceed with caution. Sometimes be overly cautious with that because it, you don't know if there's a tear in there. Um, excessive squat swelling, or, you know, when we talk about third degree uh, MCL, ACL, that means it's a tear. So I, players that I've talked to, especially guys playing football, you have to take take time with that thing because if not, you know, it could come back and haunt you on and off all season long. It's just like the, the, high, uh, the hamstring, so on and so forth. So for right now, Miles Jack is getting – you know, trial his trial and error right now because he's going to be counted on. I don't think that outside the, the wheel position is settled by any stretch of the imagination. I've been telling Rob Ellis forever, I thought Christian Ellis was going to push Morrow for that spot. Morrow 6'1", 215. Christian Ellis 6'3", 235. Now you go out and get two guys who are both bigger in, in height and weight. One of those guys could be competing for that outside slot as well. So I think the linebacking spot is the most intriguing because in the past game last year, that's where they had the most problems defending the middle of the field and linebacker coverage. So let's see what they, these guys have. Both of them have injury histories. Both of them are, are proven vets. But let's see what they can do within this Sean Desai, Matt Patricia defense. Yeah, Gunner, we got the first preseason game coming up on Saturday. So Eagles football is officially going to be back. But we've seen under Sirianni, they don't play a lot of their players in these preseason games. But assuming that who we want to see plays, who are you most excited to see get out there against other NFL talent on Saturday night? Uh, Jalen Carter, you know, and I would imagine I'd be shocked if he's out there more than a series or two. he's, He's being counted on to start. Jalen Carter would be number one and Nolan Smith would be number two. Um, I want to see what these young men can do. Even, you know, even when you have that control scrimmage against another team, that's what it is. It's controlled. You're going full board to a certain degree. I want to see these young men go full board from start of a play to the when the whistle's blown. You know, we keep hearing all these accolades about Jalen Carter splitting the gap, you know, blowing up the run plays, putting pressure on a quarterback. Haven't heard a whole lot about Nolan Smith and what he's been out there doing. But because he's he's understudying to Hassan Reddick, you can't pick much better than Hassan Reddick to be an understudy to. I want to see what his learning curve looks like. But I don't expect to see these guys out there much. When you look at the volume of injuries across the NFL, um, from training camp to these preseason games, I do believe, and we've seen this, more and more teams have kept their regulars out. But look at how many teams now are saying that their starters are going to play at least the first quarter. You got Carolina, you got Houston, you have the Jets. You know, you have teams that have so many new vital components. You have to get them some of those game reps uh, to get that timing down. You know, there's the bait down in Baltimore. Will you play Lamar Jackson that first game? Well, he's got two new wide receivers. If they're going to get that timing down, you're not going to get that deep ball timing down in practice. You know, you got to do it in game reps, you know, and it's more than just throwing the football. It's when you step to the line of scrimmage and when you look at a receiver and you just know which way he's going to break and the receiver knows where you're going to put the ball for him. Those are the little things that you have to get down as well. Now, you put Lamar Jackson out there, you're running a big risk, but I wouldn't be surprised if you see Lamar play a series or two in their first game for Baltimore. 
Oh, I, I'll mark me down as surprised, but we'll see. We'll see how it would work out. Right. Uh, Gunner, the other the other part of it here uh, is uh, Brian Johnson, when he was addressing the media yesterday, talked about he'll be on the field. He hasn't officially decided as to whether or not he's going to be on the field or in the booth while he's calling plays for this Eagles offense. His first time as the offensive coordinator in the NFL and play caller. Um, from offensive coordinators you got to know over the years, Marty Morningway, Brad Childress, whoever it might be, obviously uh, Andy Reid, play caller. Uh, he's going to be on the field as a head coach. But is there any advantage to being on the field versus in the booth and in the booth versus on the field? For a lot of coordinators, it's about feel. Some say they get a better feel for the game down there close to the action. Others say they get a better perspective up from up top. You know, um, a lot of coordinators want to have – hands-on and verbal conversations with the people they're directing. You know, they don't want us, they don't want the message to be sent second tier because look at the volume of seconds that are wasted when you go from one guy to the person and getting the play called in a lot of times, or when those players come to the sideline, tell me what you saw, tell me what you liked about it, tell me what you didn't like about it. You know, and of course nowadays, how many games do we watch where all of a sudden the headsets go dead, especially if you're the visiting team in somebody's stadium. So you eliminate that element as well. You sit there with your quarterback or your wide receiver momentarily. You look at the charts that are constantly coming down, the bird's eye view of the pictures, and you get a better perspective. Okay, if we run this again, whether it's later in this quarter, next quarter, here's what I want you to do. You know, break it in instead of break it out. You know, instead of going to this primary receiver, if you see the safety come down immediately, look over the middle for the tight end or slot receiver, so on and so forth. Those few seconds that you have, those extra, those extra seconds of conversation are so vital in a game as fast as the game moves nowadays. Yeah, and I got a, a tough question for you, Degon. We uh -oh. saw Jalen Hurts take such an incredible leap from 2021 to 2022, and we know how much of a tireless worker this guy is, how much he wants to improve. What element of his game, and again, we're probably nitpicking here, but what element of his game would you like to see him improve going into 2023? You know, I've, I've been asked that question, Bill, so many times, and, and I'm going to give you the same answer I've given everybody else. I honestly don't know. Because when you look at the improvements that he's made from one year to the next to finish a, a second, even though he, though he missed two games, finished second in the MVP voting tells you how far he's come. And I've also said consistently, he could play the same game this year as he did last year, and it would still be good enough to get this team to a Super, Super Bowl. Now, the road is much tougher when you look at who they're stacked up against, especially that five-game stretch. You know, health is a big factor in, in navigating through this much tougher schedule is huge as well. But Jalen Hurts can play the exact same game, and that's still good enough to be one of the most talked about players in the NFL. Only Jalen Hurts, Brian Johnson, Nick Sirianni know exactly what they want him to work on, whether it's staying in the pocket a little bit longer. And if you look at his pocket numbers from last season, they were one of the best in the NFL, being a pocket passer. Um, is it staying home a little bit more? Is it reading defenses maybe a little bit better, stepping to the line and calling audibles a little bit better, deciphering what you're saying a little bit more? You know, because there weren't many flaws in his game. You know, people keep talking about, well, he only threw for 22 touchdowns. He didn't need to throw for any more. He ran for 13. He accounted for 35 touchdowns. What else do you want from this young man? So, I, you know, honestly, I don't know. That's a difficult question to answer right now. Only time will tell. The only way we're going to find out is when they hit the ground running from for real and if we start to notice little nuances that we didn't see. That's the only way we know. They know on the inside what they want them to do, but we're not going to know that until they want us to know that, and we're not going to know until game times. 
Yeah, I loved I loved when they asked Hertz about, well, what do you want to improve on? And he just gave that little grin. He ain't telling anybody. Yeah, not telling. <laughs> Why would you tip your hand? It's such a secretive league now. When you think about how limited uh, access media has just to watch practice now. First of all, we had a practice yesterday that went, what, 79 minutes? Are you kidding me? 79 minutes? You can barely work up a sweat. You're barely doing, you're barely doing calisthenics and in, in position drills in 70, 79 minutes. But it worked for them. And because of the new collective bargaining agreement, it has to work for everybody across the NFL. Um, that man's not going to tip his hand and give somebody else some inside information he doesn't want you to know. Uh, Gunner, you saw the top 100 list uh, just off the top uh, right here. Devontae Smith, Darius Slay, Hassan, Reddick, Lane Johnson, Jason Kelsey, A.J. Brown, and Jalen Hurts. Yeah. All of a good chance of being on that list again next year, right? Yep. Uh, yep. Jason Kelsey, assuming it comes back, why not? Let's get crazy. He'll be back. Uh, is there a name not on that list this year with the Philadelphia Eagles? Is there a name that you think will be on this list next year? Jalen Hurts, of course, snubbed last year. Now he's number three. Right. Any name on that on the Eagles right now that you think has a season in the upcoming year here in 2023 that will put them on this list next year? Yeah, uh, James Bradbury should have been on that list. Ooh, okay. I think Bradbury should have been on that list before Slay. And that's not a knock against Slay. I thought Bradbury was a much more consistent player from start to finish. If you looked at uh, Slay's season, it was up, up and down, and it started to tail off, especially in the latter part of the season. Uh, James Bradbury was consistent, consistently matched up against top receivers, uh, passes defended, uh, so on and so forth. Um, I thought it was a, a glaring omission not to put him on that particular list. And I think if he continues to do what he did last year, there's no way he's not going to be on that list. You know, the funny thing about that list, and I love telling this story, people get so jacked up about that list and we, people forget it's basically a popularity list. Okay. It's a list that's voted on by the players. Now, here's the discrepancy in the list, because I had a friend who was a part of the contingent and had to go around to different NFL teams and get the players to vote. You go to one team, you, you, you're scratching tooth and nail to get 15 players to vote, and another team might have 40 players to vote. So which way is, a, so which way is the voting going to be slanted? You know, so it's an imbalance in terms of partiality uh, in terms of who makes that list. You know, it's great conversation for guys like us because of what we do, but if you, I wonder if you took the list out of the hands of the players and let, you know, the guys that vote for the NFL Hall of Fame or a selected group of national panel members to vote for it, how different that list would, would look in terms of jockeying for a position um, and, who, and who, who was out, who might be in, compared to who's in and who might be out. Well, look at you knowing the analytics of the list. That's pretty incredible. Are you saying you wouldn't have Jalen Hurts in the top 10? What are you saying? <laughs> are you talking to me? You know I'm putting Jalen Hurts on the top top of that list. You know you look, Farzy. Don't let the espresso go to your head, my brother. Don't don't have don't let those multiple espressos go to your head, man. I've only had one. I've only had one so far yeah, today, that, my friend. This is all this that, is all look, natural. No, it's not because I worked. <laughs> I sat next to you. Anybody who has as much energy as you have this early in the morning is a multiple espresso guy. I will never touch another espresso. My wife tried to kill me with an espresso like 20-something years ago. I was shaking for like eight hours like this. That'll never happen again. So I know you jacked up on espresso this morning, man. That's one of the books. I see the title, How to Kill Your Husband with Espresso. It's pretty yeah, right. great. It's a great book. It's a great how-to for dummies. It's great. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about Jalen Hurts ranked as number three on the NFL Top 100. How does he get left off 
of the pro football focus top 50 players. They put six quarterbacks on that list, and none of them are named Jalen Hurts. It's the ongoing Negadelphia mentality. I've said this jokingly for years, that for whatever reason, and all the time that I've been in this market, it just it just makes me chuckle and it perplexes me how much disrespect Philadelphia gets for a lot of different things, you know. You're going to tell me there's six quarterbacks in the NFL right now better than Jalen? It's debatable. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert's not better than him. You know, Justin, Justin Herbert has a cannon for an arm, but he's not a better overall quarterback than Jalen Hurts right now. Who else you putting on that list? I mean, think Lamar Jackson? No. You know, Lamar Jackson's a phenomenal athlete, but I'm not putting I'm not putting him on that list ahead of ahead of uh, Jalen Hurts. So go up and down. So go up and down the list. You're gonna tell me there's six quarterbacks right now. Dak Prescott? Heck no. Then just go up and down the NFC. Just you know, I think Kirk Cousins is one of the best regular season quarterbacks that ever lived. All of a sudden, he he just becomes a chameleon. He fades into the scenery when it comes playoff time. Um, who else? Dak, uh, Derek Carr, another great regular season quarterback. What's he done in the playoffs? Okay. Now, that's what I'm saying. Those lists, those lists are such, par- such partial lists. I don't pay much attention to them. Again, those are conver- that's conversation fodder. It gets under our skin and rightfully so. People here, we're going to defend our athletes. We're going to defend our individuals. Jalen Hurts body of work speaks for itself. What he did in 2022. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gunner, I, a couple more for you. I got uh, two that are fun ones, but one last one I got to ask you. Except, uh, I don't want to talk to the analyst, Derek Gunn. I want to talk to the reporter, Derek Gunn. Yes, yes, Mr. Farsi. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Howie, Howie Rose was always meddling. He's always yeah. meddling. And then when I say that, I mean that in a good sense. But he always likes to go out there and make that acquisition. Obviously, he's just got two linebackers. Barring injury, barring injury, uh-huh. is Howie done? Are you hearing... If Howie Roseman is kicking the tires on anything in particular, more so than he usually kicks the tires, no, is Howie, Howie Roseman set to make another deal? No, he's not done. I'm not going to sit here and say he's set to make another deal, but he's looking and watching closely to see what they need to add in terms of depth. Howie doesn't. I don't, I've always I've told Howie, I said, "Do you ever sleep, or do you just hang up upside down like a bat and just recharge and then go about your business?" The man's wheels never stop spinning. He's always thinking about something. Yes, he's looking at whatever he can do to strengthen this team. He's going to do it. Is there another deal coming? I cannot sit here definitively as we sit here right now and tell you yes, but I will tell you this. Don't be surprised if they identify something real quick before training camp is over that they need to address, whether it's the safety, whether it's even to look at the receiving position. Um, They're going to go out and do it. If they can fit it under the cap. I mean, Howie is a master at getting veteran players in here on cheap deals for one year. Okay? So I I fully expect Howie to be out there looking, talking to people, and deciding, do we need this? They don't want to jump the gun too soon because you have to let certain people develop. I only bring up the name because he's a young player, Reed Blankenship. You can't get too skittish about him because he went through the growing pains last year. He made some good plays, made some mistakes. Now the position is his to win or lose. It's his turn. What's that learning curve like for him now? We're going to find out. They're not going to jump too soon, but I guarantee you, Howie Roseman, talking to a lot of people he's got a chart pluses and minuses talking to his coaches what do we need to do that's all i can tell you right now mr farzetta easy enough easy enough. bill anything else for the great Derek gun yeah so d gun we know this team is is stacked on paper they're 
on paper, the best team in the NFC East. But no team has repeated as an NFC East champ in almost 20 years. If there's going to be an NFC East team that knocks off the Eagles, who's who are you scared of? Who do you think it's going to be? Um, I would have to say Dallas. But it's going to be interesting with Mike McCarthy calling the plays. Um, I think, you know, say what you want to say about Brandon Cooks, but Brandon Cooks stretches the field. Even at this stage of his career, he can still stretch the field. You put him out there with CeeDee Lamb and Michael Gallup. I mean, I'm really interested to see what happens um, down in, in New Orleans. I think Derek Carr, you know, the, Saint, the Saints had quarterback carousel last year. Um, I think if, if the Saints get Kareem Hunt, it's that, that's a great story about how Kareem Hunt yesterday, before he even started working out for the Saints, gets a call from the Colts, Colts and they say, we'll have, we, we're offering you more money. He does his workout, jumps on a plane and goes to Indy. Um, I think Anthony Barr on that defense is going to be – I think Anthony Barr has lost a little something, but I still think Andy, Anthony Barr is going to be a great addition to that defense. I look at the Saints. I think the Saints could be a problem. Um, I think the Detroit offensively uh, is going to be an explosive offense, and they've, they've, they've gone out and spent some money and drafted on defense to make that defense a little better. Um, if, let's see. Who else would I, I consider? Um if now people don't want to hear this, if the Niners can keep Brock Purdy healthy, I want to see the rematch, and we're going to see it in a regular season. But I want to see it in a playoff format. I want to see the rematch between the 49ers and the Eagles because I think the 49ers are loaded. I think with that that Shanahan offense, pieces constantly moving. You know they don't throw a lot of deep passes, but they kill you with the over the middle stuff. Um, Christian McCaffrey is the best Swiss Army knife offensive weapon in the NFL. Um, so I, if, if I'm stacking them up, I would put 49ers, Dallas, and then New Orleans. I would absolutely love to see the Eagles beat the 49ers in the NFC Championship game, uh, game again and have it be like on the last second play and just watch the 40 Winers fans cry and cry and cry. Uh, Gunner, two, two quick ones for you here. Okay. All right. Yep. Yesterday, these names came up as far as trick plays could go. All right, from Brian Johnson. Who do you want to see get the football? Jalen Carter, Jordan Mailata, Darius Slay, or Fletcher Cox? Who would you call a play for Derek Gunn, offensive play caller? I would say Darius Slay. I think he's athletic enough um, to, to, to get one or two offensive plays in him. You know, um, I, I would like to see, you know, if he has moves in open space, if he could catch the ball, if he's willing to lower his shoulder, take a hit, take somebody head on. You know, I heard you guys earlier talking about Mylotta, and that's an obvious choice. So I stayed away from Mylotta because I heard you guys. Can you imagine giving Mylotta the football inside the five-yard line? <laughs> See, that's, that's when a defender, especially a safety or a cornerback, has to make a definitive business decision. Do I try to square up on this guy, or am I going to see a chiropractor tomorrow morning? <laughs> you know, Mylotta, I'm, I'm doing the Matador Ole tackle. I'm going to give it a gallant effort. But I'm not hitting him head on. I've got to hit him on an angle. And if I can't knock him off his balance on an angle, hey, it wasn't meant to be. You know, there's just some things in history that just aren't meant to be. And me taking down Jordan my lot of head on, from my perspective, is not meant to be. All right? But I would love to see Darius Slay uh, play, play an offensive play to see what he can do. I love the sound bites. I'd love to hear the sound bites after. Oh, my goodness. Especially <laughs> if it's a big gainer, him talking trash. Oh, my goodness. And then last one for me. Bill, I don't know if you have anything else, but last one for me. You don't have to show us, Gunner. You don't have to show us. 
But what is your lock screen? On my computer? On your phone. On your phone. Oh, Just like Jalen Hurts walking off of the Super Bowl. What's your lock screen? Walking off the Jacob Media post game set after the oh, Super look Bowl. At that next to Seth Joyner. What do you have? Uh, see? You and me, bud. We got the wives. We know what we're doing. <laughs> look at all those Twitter notifications he's got. Look at all those X notifications. Everybody look, hitting man, up I've, the gun. Look, man, I'm, I've been married to this. Uh, I've been married to this lady for a long time. We dated four years before we got married. Uh, man, she's my heart. You know, uh, she drives me crazy. She's always on me. I said, you know what? I'm a grown man, aren't I? Uh, I you know, I, yeah. you know, but, you know, she'll still ask me occasionally, what is wrong with you? I said, I don't know. You've been married to me all these decades. I, I can't figure what, Why are you asking me? I can't figure it out. I have yeah. no, I said, I told him when we got married, I have no intentions of growing up. I didn't lie to you. I, I'm not going to, I don't mention I'm not going to grow up. Now that I have grandkids, I have no reason to grow up. Yeah. She's going to kill you when she finds out you're in her office, though. <laughs> now, she's on the other side of the house upstairs. I'm oh, she's in the east wing? You're in the west yeah. wing, right? The funny, the funny thing is, you never know when she's watching the show. She doesn't have time to watch it daily. But she's always watching when I least expect her to watch. I'll say something. She'll go, really? Really? Like, you watching? You know, so I don't know. I doubt if she's watching right now, but every now and then she'll pop on. And then when I get off the show, she'll give me her critique. <laughs> that's always good come home to the critics uh gunner uh obviously you guys do a great job every single day you and rob ellis on sports take you guys are coming up uh from 12 to 3 today so make that's sure you guys it. check that out right here on the jacob media youtube channel for uh afc north preview yes absolutely fantastic great catching up gunner thanks so much likewise guys you guys have a great day the gunfather gun himself, Derek Gunn, joining us right there on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Stay tuned. Of course, Sports Day coming up just a little bit later today. Uh, Bill Calarulo, you'll be uh, back with me coming up in a minute. As we do what Jody Mack likes to say, Bill, put a bow on the show. We'll be back in a few. company and you're not producing a podcast you're missing out the public consumes messaging when they're ready join the professional podcast network of companies and let jacob media partners put you in the podcast arena come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast call jacob media right now at 267-261-3428 267-261-3428 heading down the shore Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods.
and save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. better mood phil when i talk to gunner i just boom instantly in a better mood not that i was in a bad mood talking to you of course <laughs> gunner, gunner i've just known for so long like i just i just enjoy talking even like gunner is the guy if someone's gonna tell me bad news like i want gunner to be the you guy to be, yeah he's the best the gun's the best yeah been breaking it down forever man uh what i got out of that conversation with with Derek gunn is i it just reaffirms that the Eagles are good. Like, I don't, I don't mean good as in, like, they're a good football team. I just mean, like, they're good. Like, there's problems. There's position battles. There's a potential Super Bowl hangover that happens to a lot of teams, unfortunately. But Gunner just kind of instills the idea, that this team's good. Like, uh, the problem, they're good. The issue comes up during the season, they're good. The uh, issue comes up with depth, Howie Roseman will make a trade. They're good. He's always kicking the tires, always kicking the tires around the league to make sure this team has what they need. And maybe above all else, because injuries are going to happen, um, lows are going to happen throughout the season, Howie Rose was like that X factor that people don't think about that much during the season. But he's always lurking. He's always out there waking to make, waiting to make a move to make this team a, a better team as the season goes on. No doubt about it. I mean, look at 2017, brings in Jay Ajayi late in the season. That turned out to be a great move, helped put him over the top to win that Super Bowl. So I agree with you. I'm not worried about this team. You know Howie Roseman and the Eagles will do what they have to do to get back. And and big news, Farzi, I just saw N'Kobe Dean is back at practice today. What? He's on the field. Oh, it's funny how that happened. All of a sudden, feeling better, are we? Someone else gets first team reps. Bringing a little competition, it changes some things, right? I, I mean, I, look, if we're, we're not going to see him Sunday or Saturday, I'd love to see him Saturday. I, I mean, Jalen Carter is obviously a guy I want to see. Nolan Smith, guys, I want to see, even albeit for a minute uh, or a couple snaps, whatever. But Nicobe Dean, I'm just waiting to see him let loose on the football field. Uh, anytime you get a young guy, you can't have them feel like they're on eggshells or an inex- inexperienced guy. You can't have them feel like, okay, you're going to go out there, and then, oh, you messed up, you're out. I want to see them unleash the beast, in other words. I, I, I'm waiting eagerly for that opportunity, but he's got to do it in practice first. He's got to turn some heads at practice, which is what everyone's been saying about him. He doesn't grab the attention. He just kind of does his job, which is not bad. That's not great either. And people are looking for some kind of encouragement from Nicobe Dean. Hopefully we see it today. Yeah, you never hear any reports about Nicobe Dean had a huge play in practice today. What we have to hope, though, is, look, I played, I played growing up, and there was those guys who were always good in practice and never could do it on the field on game day. One of them that we've seen in Philadelphia was Jalen Rager. How many times did we hear coming out of training camp, oh, this is the year. 
Rager looked great. Look at the catch he had today. So you have to hope N'Kobe Deem is a gamer. He's a guy who's going to step up when the time is right because we have not heard any flashes from him during training camp. So that's a guy I'm looking forward to seeing for sure. Yeah, you know what? You mentioned that name, Jalen Rager. Uh, we mentioned the top 100 list. I don't know if this jumped out to you the way it jumped out to me. I'm sure it did, but I don't think I'm special in this regard. Number two. Jeez! <laughs> Come on! Oh, my God! Justin Jefferson at number two. I know. I know. That one's going to hurt for a while. I love where the Eagles are at right now. But and I mentioned the show earlier, the quarterback show on Netflix. I was watching that and just like you don't need to be reminded, but to see it again, just how great Justin Jefferson is. I mean, that's what you dream about. And I love what the Eagles have now. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But God, he is just out of this world amazing. Uh, Bill, frustrating though, Farzi, because it was the obvious pick. It was the obvious pick. It wasn't like you know, there's some other guys they've missed on, but it wasn't the obvious pick. That was the obvious pick. Uh, let's not let, – we're going to be positive. Let's end, end the show on a positive note, yes. please. Uh, positively speaking, uh, you and I will be back uh, tomorrow uh, doing the same deal, will we not? Looking forward to it, man. Fantastic. No, this was a lot of fun. Also, Mike Gill will join the show. Usually he joins on uh, whatever today is, Wednesday. Uh, but uh, he'll be with us tomorrow uh, later in the show. I believe 920 we'll have Mike Gill as well. But, no, Bill, this was a, a great time. Uh, where can people find you and break down all your great stuff with uh, Legal Hands to the Face? Legal Hands of the Face, we're on all your social media channels. Starting during the regular season, we're going to be doing a live show here on the Jacob Sports Network every Monday night at 6.30. But check us out now, Legal Hands of the Face, social media, all your podcast platforms. We're bringing Eagles content every single day. Fantastic. All right, tomorrow we're going to have a lot to react to. Uh, they have practice at Lake of Financial Field. We'll see what N'Kobe Dean is doing out there. I know we'll hear from some of the players afterwards as far as where they're at uh, in their uh, preparation for Saturday. What we can expect on Saturday. Who will we see uh, out there on the football field taking on the Ravens and trying to upset the Ravens in their undefeated streak in the preseason? Uh, try to take it to John Harbaugh as much as they can, I guess, during the preseason. So we got all that to break down on tomorrow's show. So I look forward to that. Uh, for Bill Carullo, always great catching up, man. Great to do this show with you. We'll be back with you guys tomorrow. Also, John McMullen will join us in the first half of the show. And then uh, uh, Mike Gill will join us in the second half of the show. Uh, everyone in the chat, thank you so much. Xander Krause produced the program. Did a wonderful job. We'll be back with you guys tomorrow. See you then. Have a good one. You've been listening to Birds 365. <laughs> The destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365.